Universal credit. As a property investor, even if your tenants don't use it, it's really important to understand because at some point they may, especially if the economy takes a dip or things become a little bit more unstable. Welcome to the Property Podcast, where every Thursday, property investors come to be informed and inspired. Today, we've got one of our most popular ever property podcast guests back on the show, talking us through a very timely and important subject, which, if you're like most investors, you won't know nearly enough about. And as if that weren't enough, stick around to the end, because we've got a resource that will help you keep your kids quiet and do something good. For our news story this week, the headline reads, Demand for Stamp Duty Holiday to Reignite Housing Market. Now, everyone loves a holiday, and property investors would really love a stamp duty holiday. Rob, can we get excited? Not quite yet. We've had a couple of messages about this this week from people who are starting to get excited about it. But it's important to say, at the moment, this is not policy or anything close to it. This is just people saying that this is something that should be done. So a couple of weeks ago, RICS, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, put something out saying that for a period of time after lockdown restrictions are lifted, stamp duty should be taken out of the picture to encourage the market to come back to life. And this week, both Rightmove and Knight Frank have said something similar. Would be lovely if it happened. And it's not the most bonkers idea I've heard. We saw a few years ago when stamp duty was due to go up for investors, there was a massive spike in transactions with people trying to beat that increase. So it's possible that we could see the same thing again if stamp duty was removed temporarily just at the time when the market needs transactions most. So will it happen? Who knows? Too early to get excited. But this is one bit of government intervention in the housing market that we would certainly benefit from. Just a quick heads up, the Property Hub magazine is now out If you've missed it, do not panic because, for one, they come out every two months now, which is wonderful, and you can get them digitally. So if you want to subscribe, you won't miss out. You can get all the back copies online. The cover story is very timely right now, and it's how investors are adapting to the coronavirus. So it's a must read. So I'm sure you're subscribed already, but if you are not, then go over to propertyhub.net forward slash magazine. Universal Credit. You'll have heard of it, probably in the context of its introduction, being perceived as a bit of a political shambles. But if you're like most investors, and to be honest, like me before we recorded this episode, you probably won't know much more about it than that. The history of universal credit goes back a few years now, and it basically combines lots of different benefits, including for our purposes, importantly, housing benefit, into one single payment that is paid directly to the recipient and it's paid monthly. It was meant to achieve two main purposes. Firstly, to simplify lots of different benefits into one. And secondly, to ease the transition of recipients back into work where appropriate, because they're having to manage their own money on a monthly basis, just like you would if you had a job. This has thrown up challenges for landlords, to put it mildly. It was a big change from the previous LHA system, which everyone was familiar with. And whereas before, many landlords were getting paid the rent directly by the government, under universal credit, by default, that didn't happen. The rollout has been slow, it's been quite painful, but it's still happening and it's picking up pace. And now it's reached the stage where, as a property investor, it's something you've got to understand. Because even if you don't currently have tenants who receive universal credit, that could change at any time. So there is a lot to this, but it's important that you understand it. And it's important that we understand it. So we invited an expert along to the show. Today we're joined again by Mark Morris. Mark Morris has been on the podcast before. 
We've covered his journey as a property investor. And universal credit is something he is very familiar with. In fact, a lot of his portfolio has tenants that utilize universal credit. So we couldn't think of anyone better to get along onto the podcast and give us the full lowdown on what universal credit is. He's got all the hints, tips and hacks that we all need to know and understand. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for your time. Let's start really, really simple. The obvious question there is, what actually is universal credit? Yeah, so universal credit took over six of the legacy benefits. So those were child tax credit, income support, income-based job seekers allowance, which people will know as JSA, income-related employment support allowance, which again is abbreviated to ESA, working tax credit, and the main one for landlords is housing benefit. What determines how much universal credit someone gets? Is it always going to cover all of their rent? No, no, it won't always cover the rent. So from a housing element, the rent will be based on the number of rooms that they will require from the household. So, so for instance, if they're a couple, they will get a one-bedroom rate. If they're a couple with a child, they will get a two-bedroom rate, and then so on and so on, uh, up to a maximum of four bedrooms. It really does depend on the, the family makeup and the local housing allowance. So people who are entitled to help with paying their rent will get universal credit, but they're not all on universal credit. Is that right? Because it's still being rolled out. It seems like it seems like it's been being rolled out for ages, but it's still going. <laughs> well, originally, I, I, I think it was supposed to be rolled out by 2019, and the last update we had was that it was going to not be rolled out now to fully till 2024. So where we are at the moment, at the end of 2019, I think we're around approximately 3 million universal credit claimants, whereas I think by full rollout, they're talking around, there should be 6 to 7 million. Okay. But interestingly enough, within the last six weeks, since the coronavirus, they've had a million new claimants, which has just put quite a bit of a strain yeah. on the uh, DWP systems. Yeah, if it's taken this many years to get to three million, an extra million in a week is going to put a strain on yeah. it. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to watch. So, what kind of proportion of your own properties where you were getting LHA? What proportion of those are you now getting universal credit for? Um, I'd probably say a third now uh, on universal credit, and that that started probably around two years ago. The problem I had was that two years ago, although a new universal credit was coming, I just buried my head in the sand. Other things were more important as we're all busy. And suddenly I found probably I had four or five tenants on universal credit very quickly. And I just I didn't understand the process. I didn't really understand how to engage DWP. And probably within a few months, I found myself... I think over six thousand pounds in rent arrears. Uh, it was it was really, you know, really hard times. So I just after that, I just made it my mission to understand everything I could about universal credit. And, and I can honestly say now that my touch wood, my universal credit tenants run pretty smoothly. So now you're at the point where it's no worse from your perspective. 
than LHA was? No. no. How did those arrears build up? Did it happen straight away? We call it the claim journey. But there's a lot of information that tenants need to provide. And what was finding was that for whatever reason, they hadn't, DWP hadn't received all the information they needed, so the claim was delayed. But I think the main thing for me was that I didn't understand the process and I didn't understand how to engage correctly with DWP. It sounds like this isn't something you can just kind of let happen. It sounds like, rightly or wrongly, as a landlord, in order to get paid on time, you need to be actively involved in this process from the start rather than letting someone just say, oh yeah, I'll I'll get universal credit, so I'll pay that to you. That's presumably going to be a way of getting into trouble. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a partnership now. To understand the process, there are a lot of information they need to provide. As a landlord, we can help them provide that information. There is a lot of hand-holding. You talked about the journey a couple of times now, so maybe we should go on that journey and go through how the process actually works because I don't know, most people listening won't know. So from the start, what what it looks like from, from the moment that you start engaging with an applicant who is entitled to universal credit, take us through that, that process. Um, and along the way, I'm sure we'll uncover really important steps, things that you've learned from bitter experience that hopefully we can spare people from. Tenants will need to claim online. They need to do that straight away. As part of the claim process, there's lots of documents they need to provide. So what I would say is that before, even before attempting it, you get a tenant gets all their information together. And that information can include things like national insurance number, bank details, dates of birth. Importantly for landlords, they will then need a copy of the tenancy agreement, ID, so they may need passport, driving license, uh, utility bill or bank statement because with DWP there's also proof of residency and proof of occupancy. So a tenancy agreement isn't enough. They need to provide the utility bill bank statement to prove that the tenant lives there. Would the tenant have moved in by the point that you start this process of applying online? Yeah, so they can only apply on signing of the tenancy agreement. It sounds like a bit of a, a risk because you've, you've moved them in and then is, is it ever the case that they're, they're not eligible and they thought they were? Well, there is, there is always that possibility. I think as a landlord, you've just got to really ask the right questions. I mean, they may not at that point know exactly how much they're going to get. They may be receiving some income or have some savings from somewhere which could affect their standard loans. So they've got all that documentation together gone to the interview with the work coach assuming they can what happens next so this is a key thing if they've provided all the correct information after five weeks they will get paid their first universal credit payment so it's always paid in arrears as housing benefit was it's paid monthly so on that fifth week they'll be paid their standard allowance plus their housing element and that'll come straight to their bank account And effectively, going forward, that will be their payment date. So from a landlord's point of view, we need to make sure that they're putting in a regular payment, standing order, online payment, to make sure that the rent's paid on that day because they will know the date that they will get paid. From a landlord's point of view, normally you'll obviously take a month's rent up front 
and the rent due date will be the date of the month that move-in took place. So in this situation, it sounds like the date they moved in isn't necessarily going to line up with the date that you expect the rent from them. Is that right? So effectively what will happen is if, if they're moving on the, the 1st of June, the tenant won't get paid probably till around between the, the 4th and the 7th of July. That'll be the first the first payment. So yeah, I mean, landlords do have to take that into consideration. They will have five weeks where they won't get paid. And I think there's been a lot of media coverage around that because it, it, it has been quite tough for tenants, you know, with that five-week period. So they, they have introduced some assistance. There is a payment, what's called a, a universal advance payment, which effectively means they can take that whole payment straight away. So what they will get in five weeks, they can take that whole payment straight away. It's effectively a 12-month loan, and they will be take, that the loan will be repaid over 12 months, and it will be taken from there ongoing allowance so so they can get an advance payment which for me if a tenant claimant has some important bills to pay or rent you know to enable them not to go into rent arrears and it, it, it's it's well worth taking they don't have to take the full amount if they don't want to so and as i say it's paid it is paid back over 12 months interest free a lot of claimants have been using that but i think the issue is that some of the claimants haven't been, they've been taking the money but not using it necessarily to pay bills. Again, it's really key though that the landlord is working with the tenant and understands where things are up to. Yeah, especially if you're at the point where you are now, where you're experienced with this, a tenant might be claiming it for the first time. So you're going to know a lot more about it than they are. It's in your interest and their interest for you to take control of that process and help them out. It's just really key that, that landlords just get involved because I think a lot of landlords just they don't really want to understand the process and just hope it'll work itself out but I think you will find issues if you if you don't understand the process and help the tenant and just support them. Now we need to talk about direct payment because I know that a lot of landlords who'd previously been getting LHA found a way that they could get paid the the rent direct but when Universal Credit was brought in, that wasn't the case. So by default, it gets paid to the claimant and then they have to pass the rent element on to you. But I believe that there is a way potentially of getting paid the rent direct, isn't there? There's a couple of ways a landlord can get paid direct. If the tenant is two months in arrears, the landlord can request direct payment. Also, if the tenant is experiencing issues. Now, that may be drug abuse, debt problems, previous arrears. A landlord can request a direct payment from DWP. Again, this is another reason why it's really key that landlords work with tenants because it's always better that if a tenant is going to DWP saying, I don't want to be paid direct because I have these issues rather than a landlord trying to speak to the DWP to say, look, these issues are there. Can we, can we please get paid direct? If, if the tenant is up front from the outset with any issues they have. And if you as a landlord want to speak to the DWP or need to, can you do that? You can. If you actually have a direct payment in place, the DWP will answer any questions around amounts and 
when it's going to be paid. They won't give any other personal information out. But if you're not currently getting a direct payment, it can be problematic speaking to DWP. However, if you get explicit consent from your tenant, you will be able to speak to DWP. So, But that explicit consent is key if you don't currently have a direct payment. Is that something you'd insist on the tenant putting in place for you? It has to be quite specific and it's it's over a time period. So tenant can't just go to the DWP and say, I want to tell the landlord everything about my claim. Okay, so direct payment is possible under some circumstances. If you're not getting paid direct and you're relying on the tenant to pass the rent on to you, is there anything that you can do to maximise the chances of actually getting the rent passed over to you? A couple of things. Uh, as part of credit unions, they're called jam jar accounts, which effectively, as soon as the payment hits a tenant's account, it silos certain payments and then pays automatically direct to either landlords if it's certain bills. So they may have a silo of rent bills and as soon as it hits the account it's automatically paid out so a number of credit unions operate that which a number of landlords I know do use that and you can obviously request that as part of the tenancy agreement but the good thing is if the tenant happens to cancel it you will be notified of that. There are a lot of people who are currently not receiving universal credit but might soon be for the first time there's the the managed migration that you talked about where people are going to get moved over over the coming years we'll talk about that hopefully in a bit but there's also a lot of people who we mentioned earlier have been applying for universal credit for the first time as a result of coronavirus and potentially losing their job or having their hours cut back so if someone who's listening has got a tenant already who loses their job and starts claiming universal credit, what kind of advice can you give to, to that landlord to help their tenant and also maximise their chances of not having rent arrears? So the advice is claim online as soon as they unfortunately lose the job. Make sure that the tenant knows to get all the information they need together, so any savings outgoings, tenancy agreements, any copies of bills, just assist them in that way. If they do have rent arrears, they can look to request uh, uh, what we call an APA, an online payment. The other thing is to make them aware of the universal credit advance payment. That advance payment, which is really important. There was something else you mentioned there as well to help if rent arrears had built up. Do you say it was an APA? If the tenant is already two months in arrears or is actually continually underpaid and over a number of months and is one month in arrears, a landlord can request that payments that is paid direct straight away. And that's done through what we call a, a UC47, which can be, it's a form which you download from the gov.uk website. And does that then make up all of the arrears? That will just mean that going forward the housing element will be paid direct to the landlord right there is also something that is probably a good point to actually discuss it's called third party payments which is all around rent arrears as part of the uc47 form which will request direct payment to landlords if the tenant is two months in arrears 
You can also request what we call third-party payments, which is effectively a payment towards the current rent arrears. Mm -hmm. As I say, they do have to be two months in arrears to request this. It can be requested on the same form as the direct payment. So it can be both payments can be requested on the UC47 form. This is all getting very complicated. It, it started out sounding fairly straightforward. So, okay, well, you, you get all the information together and you apply, and five weeks later you get your money all good. And then as you go on, there's all these other wrinkles to it and things you need to know. Thankfully, there is help available to landlords and there are resources out there, which we'll talk about just before the end. Uh, before we do, though, I think it's worth talking about the other stream by which people might end up coming into contact with this because there are people who are have started claiming who otherwise wouldn't have done as a result of the fallout from coronavirus. But there's also this ongoing rollout that we were talking about earlier that maybe one day will eventually be finished. What does that program look like? And, and how do you know if tenants of yours are going to start falling under the scope of universal credit? When claimants move over from by a change of circumstances, that's called natural migration. But then there's this big program called managed migration, which effectively means starting towards the end of this year, areas will be migrated over. So, I mean, this is really key, not just for landlords, for agents as well, because if you're in that area and as part of managed migration, that kicks in, you're going to find very quickly that you can have a lot of tenants moved over from housing benefit to universal credit, you know, in the space of weeks. So we know it's going to be between now and 2024, but we don't know which areas are going to be. So how can landlords keep informed, be knowledgeable about what's going on and, and get help if they need it when they're navigating through the process? There are a number of ways to get help. I mean, there's a, a really good subscription service called UC Advice, that's run by Bill Irvine. He was actually head of housing for one of the large councils. He offers a really good service. I've also built a training package you know, from my experiences. I mean, it's as I say, it's experience from the coal face. It's not theory. I take I take landlords or agents all through the process. But also, there's a really good DWP website. I've actually, on LinkedIn, all those DWP websites are available. There's a really helpful video. There's also a newsletter that comes out every month. So, yeah, the DWP have got some really good information. So, DWP are working with landlords. There's, there's still a way to go. There are certain processes that need tweaks, which is happening, but they are certainly trying to help landlords now in any way they can. Sounds like some good resources then. We'll make sure we link all of that up in the show notes for this episode. The public perception, at least, is that the introduction of universal credit has been a bit rocky. And it sounds like from your experience with it as well, he kind of got off to a rough start. But what do you think the future looks like for universal credit? How do you think it's all going to pan out? You didn't have a choice, but for someone who's not a landlord yet, but looking to get into it, should they feel confident about dealing with universal credit or should they try and stay away from that market altogether? If you'd have asked me this question around 12 months ago when I was going through hell, I would have probably said, don't touch universal credit with a barge pole. But once you understand the process, 
and know how to engage with DWP. The process is there and they do support tenants. I certainly wouldn't be shying away from universal credit tenants. And as we know, it only needs something like the coronavirus. And, you know, you, you may suddenly have one to a handful of tenants that have to claim universal credit. So things are getting easier. The processes are getting easier. They, they want to work with landlords now. So, I mean, I, I've had some housing benefit tenants that have been with me for, you know, six, seven, eight years. So I, I think it's getting, I think it's with everything. It's getting the right tenant, but also working in partnership with the tenant and really helping and supporting your tenants through the process great point to end thank you mark a huge thank you to mark for that contribution so much knowledge in one episode and you know what it's probably one of those episodes that you're going to go back through again and, and listen to again to absorb all the lessons the good news is all the links that mark mentioned are going to be in the show notes so you can go to the property hub website go to the podcast section and get all of those links We're very fortunate as well that in an upcoming issue of the Property Hub magazine, Mark also has an article where he goes into even more detail on universal credit. So if you want to top up your learning even further, make sure you're subscribed to the mag. I think the the biggest takeaway for me is that universal credit is not something you can do lightly. You have to be committed to the process from the start. And you can't just set it up and hope it all goes well. You are accountable for its success. If it goes well then it's on you. If it doesn't go well, then it's probably, again, on you. You can't be passive with this strategy, but if you get it right, it can be very attractive for property investors. Time now for Hub Extra, that bit of the show where we give you a little hint, a tip, a resource, a tool, something to think about, something to make your life that little bit better. And it's backed up by the Hub Extra email, which hits the inbox of Property Hub members every Friday morning. This week, we've got something that will keep your kids quiet for a bit and do some good at the same time. What could be better? It's called Goodnight Zoom, and it's a service that matches up your child with somebody who's elderly or isolated and gives them a way to read a story together over Zoom. I haven't tried it myself because mine's a little bit young at the moment, but it's a really lovely idea and a way to do a little bit of good while giving yourself a bit of peace and quiet at the same time. So you'll find the link to that in the show notes. So that's us done for another week. We'll be back on Tuesday for Ask Rob and Rob and... Of course, if you need more property goodness in your life, then please do go along to the YouTube channel or find us on the socials by searching at Property Hub UK. And if you're a magazine subscriber, you've got even more to consume. So we've got plenty to keep you busy until we're back. So until then, take care, have fun. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.